Hello and you're very welcome to the second edition of 2019 of uh, Meat Chronicles Sports Podcast, Talk A Good Game. Once again, joined in the studio today by Jimmy Gagan. Jimmy, you're very welcome. Thank you, very good. You had the weekend off, Jimmy, so uh, I don't think there's a... Incorrect, very good. Sorry, 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 I take it back. You had the Sunday off, Jimmy. Sunday off, yes. Sunday off, so you got to... uh, no better place to start after the weekend that was was the action in Park Tulchin. You got to go to the game as a supporter. Uh, nobody could accuse you of being a fair weather supporter, Jimmy, getting up from your fire out in Waterstown to go to Park Tulchin on no, the day. No, like I had uh, I had all the gear, the rain gear on. I had my umbrella, a couple of hats, just in case. I was and going I, to say I, a couple I, of cans there, Jimmy. <laughs> no, and I needed them because, uh, of course, it snowed. The, the, the rain changed the snow about halfway through the game. So, But what a game it was. What an afternoon it was for me, football. Uh, it's a while since I saw that guy, uh, that kind of uh, spirit in the, in the team, uh, that uh, great will to, will to fight and battle on until they got what they were looking for. And uh, certainly the supporters responded to it as well. You know, they were delighted with yeah. the... Cause I was, was, as I said, it was on the terrace, so, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a good way to gauge. Yeah, what was the reaction like on the terrace, Jimmy? So often we've heard about Mead supporters at the games and they, they haven't been very positive towards Mead displays. But since the start of this National League, there's been a lot of positivity surrounding Mead football and how well it's been going. Uh, what what was the reaction around you on the terrace, or were they all just happy to see you? <laughs> Very few of them knew me actually, Fergal. But uh, uh, you know, uh, look, at the first half they weren't happy. Let's uh, supporters can be uh, some supporters anyway can be quite harsh, so like you know, in terms of criticizing players, and you know, if they spill a ball, give the ball away, and there was a lot of that going on. In kick the it fr- in, kick it long, uh, kick it. Yeah, in. they're telling them what to do and uh, what they should have done and what what they they could do and all this kind of stuff. But the first half certainly. Um, that had reason, I suppose, to be critical. Although sometimes you you would um, you would wonder why they are so critical because um, you know the conditions were were terrible uh, and Mead did mis- but Mead did uh, make plenty of mistakes in that opening half. The second half, then the, the supporters to change. Uh, they were quite critical of the referee, and but I thought he had a good game. I thought it, I think you know There's a few of his a few of his yellow cards were could have been borderline red as well. A couple of tackles went in there Adam Terrell went in heavy and a, and a bit of a wild kick in front of the stand and that seemed to draw the ire of the Mead fans I thought that was close enough to a red so maybe that's why they were overly critical of the ref there were a few rough the Kildare boys were, were rough enough well it was uh, there was one or two occasions I thought that uh, decisions crucial decisions there towards the end could have gone against Mead they didn't they went with Mead and, uh, but the referee didn't give me any credit uh, among the, the Mead supporters I was uh, referees never get credit uh, no no I'm afraid not but uh, uh, look, it, it, it certainly was a very encouraging play. They, uh, you know, you could see that the supporters, uh, fists in the air, hands in the air, really delighted with, with what they had seen. Uh, that that old meadness, we call it, we, we've referred to before, that old meadness, that fighting quality, that ability to come back, refuse to give up. Uh, and that was there. And uh, I think that's what pleased them most of all. Yeah, the, the final whistle really had the old stand rocking. I know the... Uh, I'd say that the surveyors come in now, the few more cracks maybe might have appeared in the old stand. Just that the noise that greeted the final whistle was brilliant to hear. It was great to hear that back amongst the Mead fans and it really has to give them uh, a bit of a boost. I might just have a, a quick listen to what Andy McEntee had to say after the game. Uh, we have a couple of bits of audio, so we just listen to the first bit here from Andy after the game. Oh, look, I'm delighted. Uh, it it uh, it was always going to be a day where where spirit and heart and guts and all those things you talk about 
was probably going to be the determining factor and uh, I think we showed an abundance of it. Yeah, look at I mean we, we asked lads to go to the uh, go to the very last uh, second of the last minute and I think that's what they did. I mean we, we ended up we, we turned that ball over there at the end and that was that was uh, what you needed. We needed that effort and we knew we were gonna need that effort. So uh, I'm I'm thrilled. Yeah, look at we'll have to we'll have to regroup, uh, have a look at some of the things that didn't work so well for us today and, and, and try and get ourselves ready for uh, for another big game down in Ennis. So I mean that's that's the way every game gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, Jimmy. So uh, you could hear Andy in Andy's voice there. He he spoke about that hearts and gut, heart and guts and determination exactly, yeah. that Mead had, and and he also was thrilled at it. Um, but uh, he wasn't so thrilled when talking to him about the first half performance. Mm. Um, Mead, I think, shot over the over the seventy minutes had twelve wides, maybe to Kildare's four. So our shooting in the first half was something that he had highlighted in another part of the audio that we had. Uh, so the first half there was a few. You know, as you said, the supporters were getting on the backs. Not, not everything was as smooth or as rosy as it turned out at the final whistle. Well, I think he made reference to it there, Fergal, and, and you were at the game. You were talking to him afterwards as well, of course, uh, that there's things we have to work on. What do you, what would you think are the things he has to work on? The, the wides or anything else? Well, look, I suppose there's been such an emphasis over the last 12 months, even 10 years, maybe you can go back that far, on finding a level of consistency. And we probably have reached that now where you know you're going to get that hard working performance. You know you're going to get that hard graft. The, the yards are going to be put in. The, every inch is going to be fought for and every battle is going to be won. As you could, it was really epitomised by the tackle put in by uh, Neil Kane there at the end of the game, which unfortunately... Turnover, Neil suffered, yeah. yeah. Turnover the ball. And Neil unfortunately suffered a... Um, or Neil Kane, sorry, suffered a, a, a dislocated elbow then in that process. And Ben Brennan went off injured as well. But, you know... What he's probably going to look for now is a little bit more maturity in the performance as well in terms of making the right decisions when on the ball, taking the correct options when an opportunity to take a score or maybe not take a score, re hold on to the ball, uh, presents itself. You need to be need to find that little bit more maturity to add to the hard work, but it is still a very young team when you look at if you go through the age profile, a very young team. Seamus Lavin, Ronan Ryan are very are young players, Shane Gallagher. Uh, then through you had Ethan Ethan Devine of course didn't come on but sorry you had Derek Campion who's only only a young fellow as well so there's a good age profile there that there's plenty of time for them to, to gain that maturity sure whether the whether the heart the spirit they showed uh, on Sunday will be enough to get them uh, a Leinster title is, is very doubtful at this stage Fergal but I think supporters will start will start looking towards that and think well what you know have we got a chance in summer have we have we got a chance against Dublin if we if we come up against them well uh, we've awfully first I know we've got yeah, to get yeah. them out of the way well, yeah let's get out that out of the way first but uh, you know I think that's what do supporters are also starting to turn their minds. I know division look division one looks pretty good now. It looks almost pretty. You, we can we can say we're going up to division one now at this yeah, day. Well, I I'm an, I'm everybody knows I'm an eternal optimist, but I'm still just going to keep the champagne on ice for oh, a sure. while. I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to jump the gun mm. yet. There's still a bit of work to be done. Uh, Claire will be no pushovers mm. down there. But when we talked about the maturity and uh, the balls, really, that when they were needed. For Mead at that end of the game, um, we just hear what Andy McEntee had to say here about Barry Dardis, who stepped up, you know, heading into injury time, crucial penalty, game on the line, 
Barry, who had just come on, we all know how good of a penalty taker, how good of a free taker he is for Summer penalty, Hill. wasn't it? But just to step up and show the balls that he showed yeah. when he did was remarkable. We'll just have a little listen to what Andy had to say about that. And even with, with Mickey Newman gone off, he had an able penalty taker there as well, and it really was top corner, wasn't it, and buried artists? Oh, I mean, what a penalty. It looked, it looked I mean, in difficult conditions like that, you kind of wish... Uh, my own thought process was I hope he hits it hard and on target it's going to be hard for a goalkeeper to stop it uh, uh, but then with you know underfoot conditions and greasy ball you're never quite sure but uh, Barry showed Barry showed a calm nerve and, and, and great confidence so uh, it was uh, I was mightily relieved to see the net moving Was there any, <laughs> any hesitation in him stepping up to take it it seemed to be a while before anybody took the ball to, to bring it to the penalty spot was it always going to be Barry? Yeah well I, I think it probably was it was either going to be Barry or Killian given that Mickey was off the field but you know uh, not easy for a penalty taker when he's had to wait as long as he had but, you know with, with somebody been down injured uh, so uh, you have you know thinking can be overrated at times and you have too much time to think about it uh, but I, I, you'd have to you'd have to give Barry great credit he, he kept a very cool head and uh, it looked like uh, sort of the postage stamp up in the corner that looked like where it went that was Andy McEntee's reaction mm. to the penalty there Jimmy as he said it really was postage stamp Textbook in the penalty. corner top bins as they like to say on, on yeah textbook penalty brilliant and uh, you know it showed great composure brilliant temperament to, to put that away the way he did um, just in reference to Andy there as well um, I mean in fairness to him like uh, Mead came out in the second half and he, he he made them push up on Kildare much more. So Kildare couldn't build as they... And they were totally lost then after that. They, they didn't have a plan B, Kildare, which has amazed me. Yeah, you one know, point from a free in, in the whole second half. Yeah, and, it, and they, uh, you know, they took off um, Flynn, I think, you know, it was... Neil Flynn, Flynn, yeah, Flynn. I thought he was playing very well in the forwards. They took him out, surprised that. But apart from that, it was the me tactics where they pushed up on the Kildare players. Just just didn't let the, the backs uh, look around to build at all. And that was a brilliant tactic. And, you know, in fairness to Andy McEntee, I think he should take credit for that, I'm sure. Yeah, Connor McGill spoke about selectors. it. Well. Connor Connor McGill spoke about it as well. That uh, you know, I mentioned it to him in, when I was talking to him after the game about how it must have been difficult for the defenders, especially in the freezing cold afternoon that it was, with so much of the play down the other end of the field. And Connor McGill mentioned that they drew inspiration from the hard work that the forwards did, that, that they applied the first pressure and they put so much pressure on Kildare, Kildare mm-hmm. in their half that that's where the majority of the ball was turned over. And uh, I also spoke to Connor then about his decision to go forward in those closing minutes and, and what prompted him. Of course, he was on the end of the long ball that was put in by Graham Riley um, and that eventually led to the penalty or the foul on Shane, Shane McEntee and the penalty which Barry Dardis put away. So I just asked Connor about his decision, you know, what prompted him to go forward at that stage. So we might just have a little listen to hear what Connor had to say there. What possessed you then to push on forward in that last minute and, and be involved in the penalty incident? Oh, was it a master stroke from Andy here? Or? I don't know. Yeah, he, probably, he probably had a heart attack seeing McGill going forward. Yeah. What's he doing up there? Yeah. <laughs> I know, I, I just, we were two points down. We turned over possession. We said, go forward. We may as well lose by three points as, as, any, as two points. So just get forward. And it's something that the forward's been working on. If the space in behind, so I threw an odd area in every now and again to listen to what they were at, and yeah. just so happened I got didn't catch the ball, but it broke the chain and won the penalty, and turned out to be the winning score. So look, you may as well lose by three points as two points, as to give it give it a go. Um, 
once again, it's one of the processes we talk, we were talking about going forward. One, one something that we see, see happening in games. So just said, give it a give, give it a shot and see what happens. And thankfully, it turned it turned out to be the winning score in the end. Conor McGill was clearly delighted that uh, his intervention and his foray upfield didn't lead to a nosebleed for him, thank God. But he, he got on the end of that ball and managed to break it to Shane McEntee, uh, fouled, of course, by Keith Cribben, who ended up picking up a black card for his rather crude attempt to prevent Shane McEntee from getting his shot off. And, of course, Kildare finished the game with 14 men, as did Mead with uh, the injury to Niall Kane, unfortunate injury there, which will looks like putting him on the sideline. But... Uh, yeah, just yeah. Uh, it, it was a it really was a dramatic finish, wasn't it, Jimmy? Yeah, Connor Derry, he, he spoke a very interesting insight into, into maybe a, how Andy is managing that team and how he's he's getting them to uh, push on a little bit further in terms of uh, trying things, keep keep at it. He talked about the process there. Now, you know, you, we we hear yeah, he uh, mentioned G- it a few times. We hear Jim Gavin talk about the process quite often, but uh, uh, Connor talked about it there as well. And uh, you know, that that sense of uh, trying something new going for it uh, again it relates to uh, not giving up it's uh, it's a bit more scientific than it used to be in the old days of the back in the 80s where they just kept going to the bitter end but the, the, you know it's about going through the process uh, as, as they describe it now and and um, really trying things out and it certainly worked for them it was great you know it was a great um, afternoon for me football but as I say you know, somewhere is a difference here. but let's 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 secure division one status do you, you think they, they will do it Fergal look at the they've the beat Kildare or sorry, beat um Clare by fourteen points last year right. in Navin, beat them by twelve points the year before in Ennis. Clare aren't going great at the minute. They're only I think they're only on three points. They're involved in that relegation tussle uh, down towards the foot of the table. Yeah, they've only the one win uh from their five games so far, but they're not going to be pushovers. They only lost by three points to Donegal in round one. Uh, you know they they pushed Armagh very close, almost beating them in round two. Armagh got a draw; it finished two ten to one thirteen. Um, the next day out, then they they got their only win, of course, against Cork, who they'd beaten in the McGrath Cup final. That was in round three. Round four didn't uh, you know Kildare beat them, but again it was only one sixteen to thirteen points. So they've been racking up good scores. Uh, at the weekend, of course, they were playing for Mana, which. Yeah, the way Fermanagh play football, it's not going to be easy to rack up good scores. But 13 points in the first game against Donegal, 2-10 against Armagh in round two, 3-13 against Cork in round three, 13 points again against Kildare in round four, and even nine points against Fermanagh in round five. You know, It's an indication that Clare have the ability, and with David Tuberty up front and, and Jerry Brennan in, in midfield, they've got plenty of star quality there so I wouldn't be taking it for granted that going down to Ennis is going to be a sure thing for me Still, those statistics you quoted there from last week, last year beating yeah. them you know, by so many points and the year before uh, point, well, I mean I think uh, significantly as well when you talk about stats um, Kildare beat us by what 10 points uh, was it last year beat us by 10 points, points in, t- in 2017 they beat us by 10 points ten, when yeah, they t- were coming t- t- up from t- division yeah, 3 sorry they, they were in division 1 last year didn't win a game last year yeah, but in division 1 but uh, 10 points in, in 2017 and you and know probably the same again in the championship wasn't well, it well 9 I think in the nine championship, in the championship so um, we've turned that around you know so that's uh, yeah. you know when you look at stats uh, that's something we, we can certainly build on and, and work towards as we as we approach the summer and, and uh, 
Um, maybe we start to believe now, Fergal, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, we'll keep the fingers crossed. And we talk about the high scoring that Clare have managed throughout the league and uh, some of the good tallies that Mead have managed. You were at a game on Saturday, as you said. You weren't off this weekend. You were yeah, at a oh, game I'm on Saturday. You didn't have too many scores to... Uh, Get you excited no, uh, about Pat's, must, ended for It was an amazing uh, game because I, I went with, like many others, uh, pretty confident uh, that St. Pat's were going to win this game. Uh, Leinster, because I had seen them before in, in a couple, two of their games in the Championship, uh, Rochford Bridge particularly, they were very, very impressive. Their forwards, their movement, their, their, their movement off the but their passing. Every aspect of the game uh, pointed to the fact that they were, or pointed to the possibility that they were going to win a Leinster. First time, they haven't won a, Le- they haven't won a Leinster now in six years, but... Um, with a good few of the good few of the Mead minor team that won yeah, the Leinster championship great, last year, yeah, man, and playing very well. Not only you know, and and young other youngsters, Aaron Lynch, fantastic uh, young player, 20s, yeah. uh, Barry O'Connell, you know, uh, Martinson, you know, excellent talent as well. But all these players they were playing very well, and certainly before before Saturday's game, I would have been very optimistic. And well, what happened? Played with yeah. a big wind in the first half. Played with a big wind, but could only but manage only five points. And that, that was all the score in the match. Couldn't manage any score in the second half. They so led 5-2 at half time. 5-2, uh, yes. Uh, but Wicklow Schools are a, are a kind, They are, they are a county a, team, pretty much a county basically. Team, yeah. yeah, I mean, Wicklow beat Dublin last year in minor. Uh, and then the championship did not. So, you know, you, when, you, when you consider that. But at the same time, it was just one of these occasions that left Colin O'Rourke and everybody who, was, who watched it completely perplexed like what happened to the team where did that where did those previous brilliant performances go and that can happen as Colin Moroke pointed out that can happen young lads yeah. you know they can be brilliant one day and, and just not so much next he, he, but he he didn't sort of um, you know he wasn't accepting that it was complacency or anything like that he just felt that well he he didn't know what happened yeah. and uh, we well, were I the same see, I just see a quote here he said again that's life Young lads can be like that. They can turn in brilliant performances sometimes, then dreadful performances. That's the disappointment from today. And he also yeah. went on to point out that you have more bad days in football than you actually have good days. And he hopes that these young players will learn from that and bring it on to their future careers. I think he mentioned that he expects to see a lot of these guys wearing me jerseys. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. I did ask him. Did he did he feel that this was um, an indication of a deeper malaise in mead football? I've asked him that before. Yeah, yeah. But but uh, he hasn't. You know, he said no. It wasn't uh, that he felt that you know there was uh, plenty of young talented footballers coming up through the system. Uh, so that was good to hear because uh, you know. But at the same time, you just wonder why St Pat's, which is basically you know a county team as well, yeah. um, uh, are not doing better in Leinster, and uh, it, that must be a little bit of concern there. All right, uh, Fergal. But look at his. Still, Colin also know. alluded to that he believed that maybe the standard and the quality of the school's football is getting better from yeah from the, the time that when uh, St. Pat's yeah. were the dominant force. Opposition, yes, exactly. That was one of the points. But uh, um, at least, well, he wasn't accepting that, that um, you know, it's, it's, it's under underlines the lack of talent or anything like that. I mean, he, he thinks there's plenty of talent coming up. So that's something to be so, optimistic about. So speaking of a, a team that failed to score in the second half of a game, the Mead Hurlers went down to Killarney to play in the curtain yeah. razor to Kerry against yeah. Monaghan in the National League yeah. to take on Kerry in their uh, in their final game in National Hurling League Division 2A. It really was a nothing game. Kerry had already secured second place. They were guaranteed their place in the final. Mead, by virtue of their victory over, over London and their draw with Mayo in round one, 
were safe from relegation. So both sides took the opportunity to experiment dreadful conditions. We saw loads of photographs of the snow down in Killarney uh, and, and Jack Regan trying to take sideline cuts and, and it was just looked it looked horrendous for hurling. You couldn't even see the slither in the photographs. It looked really, really difficult for quality hurling. But Mead led in that game by eight points to seven at half time, but again failed to score in the second half and were beaten three fifteen to eight points. Can you see that type of result or that type of performance? impacting on the team now as they start to prepare for the Christie Ring Cup? I don't think so. I don't think so, Fargo, because, uh, I mean, as you say, it was very much an experimental team. He wanted to give players a run out or in the squad. And uh, there's a lot of players to come back from injury too as well. Um, you know, we've got a lot of, uh, you know, James Toher now is back. He's taking another step, of course. Yeah. So that's very encouraging. But there's other players as well. And uh, he would be looking to get everybody back for the for the Ring Cup. Of course, they're playing London, uh, Kildare and Roscommon. Yeah, playing London. I think that game is due to be a double header in Part Tolchin on the 12th of May along with the Mead footballers Leinster yeah, football that against Yeah, that should be a great so day. It should be a cracking day. They'll test yeah. the structural stability of the old stand at <laughs> Park Tolchin again that day. Mm-hmm. Um. Just to have a look at, at some of the action in, in ladies football and in Camogie, it was a, a mixed day kind of for the ladies, uh, the Mead ladies. The footballers went to Pierce Park and had a great win, a 5-12 to 1-12 win over Longford, maintained top position. Again, I know we said it last week, they look to be the outright favourites for promotion, but such as the anomalies of the ladies league, the top four playing in semi-finals, go on to a final and only the winner gets promoted so you could actually finish fourth in ladies uh, national football league division three and still get promoted but it's hard to see Mead getting caught isn't it by anybody absolutely because uh, I, I was at that match last week I was, uh, we spoke about it as well last week you know we had the Roscommon again it was the, uh, the the quality of the performance which was so impressive the movement the, the creation of scores um, their fitness uh, they certainly look like a team that's really going someplace. And uh, Eamon Murray said we have to get out of Division One. I know or the Division Three, yeah. um, and and that's that's what uh, that's what they'll do. Surely, you know, yeah. I, I think you could put your mortgage on that at this stage because they were brilliant. Uh, and again, weekend uh, I wasn't at that game, but it suggests that they were produce some brilliant football uh, again. You yeah, know, well, I'm fortunate enough to to be working a little bit with me ladies uh, at minor level, so you can see all the hard work that's going in and. That, that squad looks really tight. They look really good together. They look fit. The camaraderie with them at training is, is exceptional. They're always, you see them out in Dungani and there's always a laugh and a joke. And But then when they put their head down, the serious work starts and they just look like a really good, fluid football inside at the minute that are capable of winning promotion. Roscommon will be probably their main contenders. And as you said, they beat them well last week. But uh, hopefully it's onwards and upwards for, for the lady footballers. For the Camogie team, again, we talk about low scores. They welcome Cork to the the salubrious surroundings of Dunsany for the National Camogie League Division 2 game last Saturday. Uh, four points each, that one finished. <laughs> again, a Mead team failing to score in the second half. Mead led 4-2 at half time. It's not the end of the world to play Carlo this week with a, an opportunity. I'm not sure how it works. I think there's two groups in Division 2. So they need to beat Carlo to top the group. And maybe, I'm not sure if it's that they play the top team in the other group then in the league final. But for Camogie, after nearly two years, definitely eight, 16, 17 months without a victory, 
um, after they won the All Ireland Intermediate title, of course they went up to Division One, then they went to Senior Camogie. They didn't win a game in either, so they got a win over Down in the first round, a win over Tipperary in the second round. And facing Cork is always going to be a tough one for them, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, remember Cork uh, arrived in, in uh, Trim there last summer yeah, their first for the team, championship. Yeah. I don't, that, uh, yeah, absolutely, their first team. But it, what struck me that, about that occasion was the professionalism of Cork. You know, they took over a complete dressing room with, with, with uh, tables uh, for physio work. They had other, they had some sort of com- the laptops going, you know, in terms of uh, checking performance of all, all the players. And uh, it was really something, and they're, they're, even their bus, I remember, it was yeah. just a super luxurious <laughs> bus, you know. It wasn't diesel fuel <laughs> floating in the back window. No, 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 there was none of that. So it was that, but, but that, that was, that's what I recall from last uh, summer's visit by Cork. Of course, they won, they won comfortably. So I suppose Mead, you know, when they, when they put up the, the put up a battle, I know, it, again, I know it wasn't their first team, the Cork's first team, but... Uh, at least they weren't getting uh, heavily beaten, and no. you know so. But that seems to be the level. Division two seems to be their level, and intermediate championships probably their level. Now I think they play in the senior championship again this year. Yeah. There was no relegation last mm. year from senior, so it's just to give them an o- another opportunity. And there are a lot of young players that will benefit from that. Just hope that they don't take too many hidings. But I know Ethan Minogue was missing on uh, on Saturday, as was Jane Dolan, who's injured. Ethan Minogue, I think, was on holidays. So. There was plenty of there is plenty of options there for the new manager Ray Gavin to look at, and uh, you know maybe there's another dawn of for me Camogie coming after the glory years of of uh, John Davis that he led them to all those All Ireland titles. Just want to finish up just with mentioning um, on on this part of it, just with mentioning two great wins for the Mead Mead girls. The under fourteen girls had a three eleven to one seven win against Westmead. While the under sixteen girls in the frozen tundra that was Dungani on Sunday morning, um, beat Kildare four ten to two three, and on top of the minors beating Dublin, uh, in the first round of Leinster a couple of weeks ago by ten points as well, it really is looking good for me ladies football at the minute. So yeah. it was good to see that. Natalia called as well. Do you remember? Yes, I was going to yeah. get on to that. Natalia had a had a great win or a, sorry a great performance in Cairo at the weekend. Of course, Natalia is a former Mead Chronicle sports person of the year after her heroics in the both the London and the Rio Olympics uh, she mm. finished ninth in London and seventh in Rio I think that one of them could have been upgraded I think the Rio one could have been upgraded to sixth even at this stage but Natalia uh, she picked up a silver medal at the Pentathlon World Cup one in Cairo on Friday evening um, she, you know the she was in a good position throughout it and uh, it was between herself and a girl called, which is now for pronunciation, are you ready? Go ahead. Uliana Batashova from Russia. And uh, Natalia kept her composure to start the season with that silver medal. It was a dramatic laser run that saw Batashova advance gradually from fourth and into first place as the early leaders became stuck on the shooting range and... and uh, but Natalia came through and, and she did. She was really happy with her performance then to claim that silver medal. Uh, just a, a little quote from her here. She said, it feels fantastic. I'm absolutely delighted to come away with silver. It's my second major individual medal. So what a way to start the season. Thought it was a good day. I was a second slower in the pool, but my fencing was good and I rode a clear round. I think everybody had a bit of a nightmare on the shooting range. So I was absolutely delighted to come away with second. I'm really over the moon with it and it's great to see that a good winter training has paid off. My major focus now is the European Championships. I'm aiming to qualify, I'm aiming to get a qualifying position for Tokyo. 
that's the big game. Mm, so Natalia is number, ranked yeah. number three in the world at the minute. So she will be one of the favourites uh, for the Europeans. But of course, all the top modern pentathletes mm. are Europeans. So. Well, maybe that year we'll be uh, 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 welcoming uh, Natalia back with an Olympic medal. Please God. And, 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 and Ireland and the Sam McGuire then coming back down to me. Well, Natalia will have to wait till 2020 to get her uh, to get her hands yes, on a, exactly, on a, yeah. on a on an Olympic gold medal but she's definitely heading in the right direction just want to finish up then with talking just a little bit about rugby and Navin had another great win um, in the rugby in All-Ireland League Division 2A where they travelled down to Limerick to take on UL Bowes and came away with a 21-17 victory you're our, uh, reg- our, our resident rugby expert Jimmy Still flying high and in the line for promotion there, still, another promotion. Still, uh, you know, confounding us all, really, because at the start of the season, we would have been thinking, well, if they, if they consolidate their place, mid-table position, uh, they're three points behind uh, second place Cashel now, and I think 13 points behind Highfield. Highfield will probably win it okay, you know, the, at yeah, this stage. Well, well ahead, uh, yeah, Navin beat them two weeks ago. Well, Navin beat them two weeks ago, but uh, no, no, the playoffs, or the, the, that's what Navin are aiming for, the t- finishing the top four, That's and, and it looks like they're going to do that. Another um, really difficult, they had to dig deep again uh, against UL Bo- Bohemian, down in Limerick, uh, but they certainly did that. Um, you know, a couple of tries there earlier on. The, yeah, the lead, twelve at halftime. Yeah, so there's a good start, but uh, in the second half, UL came came back at them. Ray Maloney's team really had to had to work the hard, but they're, they're, they're that's what they're capable of doing. They, they, it's the foundation yeah. of the team, isn't it? Really, their their hard work. Well, yes, yeah, so that spirit. Well, you talked about the spirit earlier on in one of the teams, and that was what first thing that Brian Cody, I remember reading once. That's what he always looked for when he would put together a team was that spirit. Uh, now, I think what he meant was that sort of unwillingness to uh, give up on a cause. Uh, which uh, young Connor McGill was was t- referring yeah. to as well, uh, but certainly um, Navin they've they've got this belief as well because I've seen them coming back a few times and uh, you know in previous seasons or you know they might have folded but certainly not this this season and uh, they're they're doing very well yeah so just a quick mention as well for North Mead of course who wrapped up the Leinster League Division Three title mm. um, I think they had it wrapped up before Sunday yeah, but they, I, they had to play their mm-hmm. final game against yeah. Clane. They were 15-7 up at halftime and I think the weather got so bad that the referee just said, you know what, lads, we'll head <laughs> we'll back into the dressing rooms and we'll give you the trophy here and now. Because, Maybe not uh, a bad decision. It wasn't a bad decision. I believe the conditions were dreadful. But well done to North Mead on that. And of course, Ashburn are still in the hunt to finish in the top four. They play Kilkenny next weekend. To finish in the top four in Leinster League Division 1A, it means that they can go on and defend they're all Ireland Junior Cup, which they've won mm. for the last three years. But you have to finish in the top four. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're in third place. I oh, know they're in fourth place at the minute. Kilkenny are fifth, so it's a winner takes all next Sunday. Which, Ma- which uh, Ashburn play Kilkenny? Which again, you know, considering they made a terrible start to the yeah. season. Uh, but Scott Bruton, he uh, Broughton, rather, he's a he's a New Zealander, a Kiwi. He knows his rugby. And he, a long time now, Scotty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but he's he's taking charge of them. He he took he was in charge of them actually when they won the provincial towns cup there some years ago, twenty fourteen, I think it was. And um, you know he's taking charge of them again this season, and he's got them playing some very good rugby again. You know the one dollar Ireland. And let's see how they get on against Kenny. Yeah, just want to go back then just to GA, just to finish up. We're going way over time, of course, as usual. But just want to finish up with the championship draws that took place last night. Um, I know you probably haven't got them in front of you there, but I have them in front of me here. But we'll just go through the senior football championship. And in Group A, 
Sanchestown in the first round game, Sanchestown will play Navin O'Mahony's, Screen will play St. Pat's, and Gail Colin Kill will play Dunshockland. Group B, Manalvi against Rakenny. Intermediate champions Longwood will play Ratoat and Dunmore Ashburn will play Summerhill. And in Group C, Dunboyne will play Corraha, Nafina will play St. Colin Kills, and Simonson Gales will take on Wolf Tones. Now there's an, act, an extra added dimension, of course, to the senior championship this year in that three teams are going to be relegated out of the senior and they're not the, necessarily the bottom three teams in each group. The last two teams in each group will play off with three in, in three separate finals with the loser of each going down to intermediate. So it's massive. It's absolutely massive for teams this year to finish outside of those bottom two. And when you look at how tough some of those groups would be, you know, I wouldn't like to be calling who's going to be in the bottom two between Sanchestown, O'Mahony's, Screen, St. Pat's, Gail Colin Kill, Dunshockland. You know, all of them, with maybe the marginal exception of St. Pat's, would consider themselves to be title contenders. In the, in Group A, Manalvi, Rakenny, Longwood might find it going a little bit tough. In Group B, uh, especially with Dunmore, Ashburn and Summerhill in there. And in Group C, then... You, you, know, you look at it, Dunboyne, Corahan, Nafina, St. Colm Kills, Simonstown, Wolftones. Yeah, I think, well, you look, the idea, whole idea of the, of the relegation uh, three going down is, is to make it more competitive. I remember uh, Sean Boylan some years ago saying that, um, you know, when they went to this open draw, you know yeah. where teams could have two, three, two, three chances to get to win a championship that it, that would have undermined Mead football, and uh, you know you'd have to look. Maybe maybe he was right when you see what happened the last twenty years since we won All Ireland last. Uh, so this this is to tighten that up, and uh, I'm certainly not all in favour of it, Fergal, and it should certainly uh, produce because in recent years as well there was a you know there a lot of. Uh, what we call dead rubber matches yeah. uh, and low crowds going to games and you know even group uh, group games that didn't mean a whole lot yeah. and so we, we've got to, we've got to eradicate that and I think just this this will help to do that yeah absolutely just lastly then of course all these details of the championship draws unfortunately we don't have time to go through them all they're all available on the Me Chronicle website and in the Me Chronicle which is out this evening so uh, or Tuesday evening yeah so hopefully this will go out before <laughs> it but uh, just a quick look at, at the hurling real quick look with uh, Kiltail uh, I think Dom Riley called it that they're in the mix for six is how he's yeah. how he it. So the drive mm. for five was completed and mix don't for know six, what the yeah. four was. We'll go with three. that. Yeah, so he's gone the mix for six. They couldn't have asked for a tougher, tougher opener against probably one Kildalki. of the teams that will be looking to stop them is against Kildalki. Yeah, yeah, that should be a fascinating tussle. Uh, Kildalki, you know, they fell short in recent years, but um, they'll feel that they have a decent chance, of course. But can anybody stop Kiltail? That's that's the big question. Who knows? Folks, that was Jimmy Gagan. I'm Fergal Lynch, and this has been Talk A Good Game. We hope you enjoy the show, and we'll talk to you again next week. Talk A Good Game.